Welcome to another episode of That Some Crazy Shit with Kelly and James. My name is Kelly, as always. I say this every single time. And my co-host that I say every single time is Mr. James. Hey, I'm always Mr. James. And I'm always Kelly. And I'm always in the corner studio. <laughs> Unless we're on the road. We have done one on we the road. Ha- we have taken the show on yeah. the road before. But I'm so happy to see you again, my friend. Um, and I'm so happy that we are here again doing that some crazy shit. And we've just, you know, this season, season seven, has been really good with the guests, man. We're just hitting it out of the park. And today is equally as exciting. Yeah. What do we got? We've got author, intuitive mentor, trainer for EFT International, Jennifer Moore of Empathic Mastery. Jennifer is an empath and she even has a podcast. It's called the Empathic Mastery Show Podcast. She has... um, she does tapping. You know, we've talked about the, the EFT yeah. tapping before, and she's got like a, a empath, empathic, what am I trying to say? She's an empath. Empathic. empathic mastery book. She's got all of these things, everything empathic for her. She's big on helping people who are empathic know how to handle that. And she explains to us too, what it means because everybody seems to like empath is like the new thing to be you know it, it kind of really is you know it's like you know all of a sudden everyone's an empath and it's like well you know that's cool if you are that's cool but then it makes you wonder how many people oh well you know it's cool to be an empath oh i guess i am too you know right what I mean? Right. I mean, yeah. everybody has feelings and emotions that doesn't make you an empath, right? Right. So, right. Exactly. you know, let's figure out what that means, which is why Jenna, uh, Jennifer is such a great guest. So what do you think? I think we should bring her on. Let's do it. Oh, I'm sorry. That That's your line. <laughs> Oops, my let's bad. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm out of script. I'm out of script. I'm see, sorry. See, we're, we're, we're all live and natural people. Say it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Empath. Empathic master. Jennifer Moore. So Jennifer, welcome to the show. How are you? I am really well. Thank you so much for having me, James and Kelly. So, you know, the name of the show is That's Some Crazy Shit. So I like to ask people, what crazy shit brings you to us? (laughs) Oh, well, I guess, I mean, it's funny. The first thing I think the crazy shit that brings me to you guys is for one thing that I'm part of the Too Sensitive Club, you know, and I've been joking that I need to create a T-shirt that says basically Too Sensitive and Proud of It. Because, you know, I, like so many of the people that I work with and that I've interviewed for my podcast and everything, um, have been told since I was a really tiny, tiny, tiny person that I'm too sensitive, that I'm overreacting, that I'm taking things too personally, that I'm making too big a deal out of it, that I'm making shit up, you know, that this stuff isn't real. And so, you know, I'm here because, like, so much of the crazy shit 
that I started feeling and sensing and picking up on when I was really, you know, from the time I was a little, little girl. I was being told I was too sensitive or it wasn't real, but you know what? As I kept living and kept researching and kept finding people like you guys, I got to discover that like, yeah, no, this stuff is real. So, you know, I mean, I could talk about like being nine and having my first prophetic dream. I could talk about, you know, ghost experiences. I could talk about, you know, just like, like doing energy healing work and things like that. Like we could go down all kinds of rabbit holes. Oh, so let's start, let's start with just the empath stuff. Right. Yes. Because I don't think most people, number one, understand what that is. I hear a lot of people use it, maybe not correctly. Right. It, it's like the new hot term now. It oh, is. I've empath, been joking. I'm joking. Right? I've been joking. Empath is the new black. It's like, you know, it's become so trendy to be identifying as an empath. And the thing is, you know, there's a couple of reasons for this. Number one, it is a term that comes out of science fiction and it is a term that it's not a clinical term. You know, it's a term that's coming out of science fiction and basically originally was was this idea of people who had these paranormal abilities to both sense other people's emotions and feelings, but also to influence other people's feelings and emotions. And then as we started seeing, you know, like Star Trek episodes, and then of course we had like um, Deanna Troy, the empath on Star Trek, that sort of became really common in, in pop culture where people started identifying. But it, what you'll find is because there isn't necessarily a uh, a clinically defined meaning, and even if you look in the dictionary, you're just going to basically a, a term from science fiction. But you know that there isn't necessarily a a commonly accepted definition. I will share my understanding of it and my understand and the understanding that most of the people that I know and talk to and work with also would agree with. And that is that an empath is a person or an animal or, you know, it can be another, not just a human, but an empath is a being who is so open and sensitive to the energy that is going on in the world around them, that they pick up the thoughts the feelings, the sensations, and the, and the like energy of the world around them. And this is on a spectrum in the sense that you can have some people who are just maybe they go into work and they have a boss who's in a bad mood and they feel their boss's bad mood. You can also have people who are more sensitive and it's like they can, you know, you go into the grocery store and it's like you feel everything in the grocery store. You get on the subway or a bus or something and you feel everything that's going on. And then you've got people who are so sensitive that they're feeling the ripples across the whole planet. So like, for example, with the hurricane that had come through um, back in autumn with, you know, in in Florida, hitting Florida, there were a lot of people I knew who are really feeling the fear, the despair, all these emotions that was sort of the global thing. And then when we have like world events where people are really being affected, like the pandemic, you've got people who are really sensitive and picking things up. Then you've got people who are so sensitive that it's sort of like they just don't know what end is up because they're picking up things from the past, they're picking up things from the present, and they also could be picking things up from the future. Now, the thing 
that makes an empath an empath and not just a psychic or a medium or an intuitive or even a channel is that while all of these abilities have our give us the capacity to be open to more than meets the human eye like more than is dreamt of in our sort of ordinary philosophy what makes an empath unique is that where most of these other sort of, you know, clairs and abilities to receive information allow us to know we're picking information up from the outside, empaths process information through our own sensory filters and process the information as if it's our own. And so what happens for empaths is that if you're around somebody who is really feeling scared or anxious or sad or angry or fear, you know, fearful or any other number of emotions, empaths feel it, but suddenly it's like, why am I feeling so blue? Why am I feeling so scared? Why am I feeling so out of sorts? Why am I suddenly worrying about my, about going, about having cancer? I'm completely fine. And be, and the thing is like the thoughts, the sensations, the emotions are experienced as if they are ours. And what may, and that is the thing that makes being an empath more challenging than just being an intuitive or being a psychic or being a medium. Because a lot of times, if we're not aware of the fact that we're an empath, which I can explain that in a second, but if we're not aware that we're an empath, what that means is that we don't know what end is up and we don't necessarily realize that we've been taking on the thoughts, the feelings, the energy, and the sensation from the world around us. Mm. So big answer. I like Good it. That answer, was very, though. very thorough. And yes. I, now going back to what you said, how, how would people know? when they're an empath well for one thing if you've been told you're too sensitive and you're overreacting and you're taking things too personally and pay no attention to the man behind the curtain and there's no elephant in the middle of the room it's very likely that you have at least some degree of empathic sensitivity and the thing about being highly sensitive and empathic is that if there is one thing that I am finding in all of the interviews that I've done and all of the clients that I've worked with and all of the, you know, students and classes that I've encountered, there is one consistent message. And that is you are being too sensitive and you are and, and like like you are overreacting. Stop worrying about these things. And the problem with this is that when we are getting a message that our sensitivity is picking, is not responding to something that is real, and when we're being told that we're broken for being this way, we do start to doubt ourselves and we start to think, oh, I'm just weird. I'm just a hot mess. I'm just this person who's too sensitive, overreacting, taking things too personally. And and as a result of that, a lot of people do not actually know that they are empaths because they have been invalidated and gaslit for such a long time that they don't even imagine that this is that that, that like they don't know the legitimacy of what it is that they're picking up. So in a lot of ways, 
it starts with just really, I think, being able to recognize that we are an empath starts with being able to validate that, like, even though my, you know, like alcoholic family member who's really in a tirade is not willing to own their behavior, I can acknowledge that, yes, there's emotional turmoil going on that they're not owning that I'm picking up on. And I think that that's a really big part of recognizing ourselves as empaths is being able to understand or say that the emotional intensity we're picking up on a lot of times is legit. It's just that we might be around people who are not acknowledging it. But a couple characteristics that, you know, like one thing that I find is, is a pretty dead giveaway about being a highly sensitive empathic person or an empath is you wake up and you just like everything in your world, everything in your life is fine. Like you're okay. There's nothing there. There isn't any major disruption in the force in your own world. And yet you wake up feeling very out of sorts. You wake up feeling emotionally unstable. You wake up feeling just this sense of like, you know, almost like this like sense of dread and maybe rumbling under your feet, like something is coming. My experience with that is that that's one of the ways you can know you're an empath is when nothing in your own life is correlating with the emotions that you are feeling. Now, that said, if you've been through an extremely challenging childhood and you have what's called ACEs, adverse childhood, you know, adverse childhood experiences, then what can happen sometimes is that if we've never dealt with our trauma, certain things can trigger trauma that's underneath the surface that then will sort of make us feel uneasy, but because we're trying to keep it down and maybe not even remembering it, that can come up. So I would say that there's, and there can be an intersection between trauma and being highly sensitive and empathic, but especially if you've done some work, if you've worked with healers or therapists and you've started to, you know, unravel your own experiences, your own triggers in your own childhood, and yet you're still having this experience of feeling things that don't correlate with anything in your own life. From my experience, that is one of the dead giveaways. Or you're thinking things that don't correlate with your own life. Like I had a, a I have a, a person that I work with, a mentee of mine, who um, has a friend who's been struggling with a major health crisis. And, um, you know, it was like a little while ago, they woke up one morning and they were just suddenly just terrified for their longevity, for their like their mortality, like what was going to happen to their children. Like they were just going through this like mental rumination of all these things that, you know, that they were worrying about. And it was like disproportionate to their, their circumstances. They were like, this doesn't make sense. They then talked to the friend with the health crisis and out of that friend's mouth were the exact words, exact words that they're, that they had been thinking earlier that day. Wow. So these are some examples of how we can start recognizing ourselves as empaths. And so as an empath, how do you quote unquote, protect yourself? That is the million dollar question, isn't it? <laughs> you know, so as an empath, so I actually developed a five-step system for this exact reason and for empathic protection and empathic mastery, but it doesn't start with protect. 
And the reason that it doesn't start with protect is that that in order to truly protect ourselves, the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize what's going on. Mm -hmm. And what I've discovered as I've been working with this system and as I keep going deeper and deeper into it, I've come to understand that recognize is not, doesn't even just start with recognizing what's mine, what's not mine. Recognize starts by recognizing that we're an empath. Recognize starts by acknowledging that we have extrasensory ability, that we pick up information that is coming from the world around us that we are different in some way. Once we recognize that, then we need to recognize that we are feeling out of sorts, that we're feeling disoriented, that we're feeling kind of like strange and wonky. Then we start to ask the question, and I like to just put my hand on my heart and I go, is this mine? And most of the time, the answer is yes, and like, I'll get like, part of it is yours, part of it is from when you were five, and you had that experience in kindergarten. And part of it is about something outside of you. And then once I ask that question, and I get a bit of a bit of an answer, I will go further and ask myself or ask kind of the universe, what's mine, what's not mine. So once we have recognized, then the next step is release. Because, you know, in, in the same way that like you can't just take a shower and leave the, the drain plug stopped up and expect the bathtub to not be filled with stinky, dirty water, we absolutely have to drain the bathtub of the stuff that we've absorbed. And if we do not drain the bathtub of the stuff we've absorbed, then basically any kind of filtering or shielding or protecting is going to us is going to basically bounce back against our, you know, like it is going to cause all the stuff we've already absorbed to just hit the walls from the inside out. So what I found, and this is something if, you know, when empaths like try putting up a bubble of light you know just bubble up just put up send out love and light and it doesn't work the reason that it doesn't work is that we've already absorbed an incredible amount of distress and we must release that distress and i use a lot of one of my favorite tools for releasing distress is using eft emotional freedom techniques or tapping as a way to let that go but there's also like massage dance journaling, walking, um, breath work, using a pendulum, you know, like there's a million swimming, going into water, taking a bath. There's a million different ways that we can release stuff. So your mileage may vary. Once we've gotten to the point where we are no longer carrying or we're carrying less of the stuff that we've been absorbing, then we can start to protect ourselves. And in my experience, protect is, uh, it like has multiple layers to it. There's the energetic protection of reinforcing or actually in some cases, building up filters and shields in our energy system that we've never ever had. Because a lot of empaths tend to have very, very porous, permeable, or even like just loaded with holes auras and energy systems that allow a lot of information to come in. So part of it is about developing effective filters and shields, because I sort of think of us as like, there's what we see as human beings, but then I really think of us as being kind of like, we're more like an egg in the sense that like, there's like, you know, kind of like that little embryo in the center. That's kind of the core that we see as us, but then there's kind of like the protective yoke around that that's sort of acting as like a safe filter. Then there's the white that's 
acting as an additional layer of protection and filter. Then there's kind of the membrane that's on the outside. And then there's the hard shell that stuff should be bouncing off of. So we start to learn how to build up our filters and shields. But the thing is that that's only part of the protection. The other side of it is the strategic protection and the emotional protection that we must have boundaries in order to actually keep ourselves safe. Because it's like, and a boundary could be as simple as, I am not going to respond to the text message that my hot mess family member is sending at 1130 at night after getting into a fight with their spouse. Like, I am not going to engage with this. Like, not my circus, not my monkeys. And I have to say that particular Polish say, spray, saying, not my circus, not my monkeys, is like, is one of my favorite reminders, as well as another one that I really cling to is, your poor planning does not constitute my emergency. Because, because as empaths, we feel better when other people feel better. So we will often rush into rescue and we will often take on responsibility for stuff that is not ours. But so there's the energetic boundaries, but then there's also the strategic and emotional boundaries of like that, you know, that be you, bae. You know, you go do your thing, like, not you my problem. You. <laughs> you do you, you do you, you, you know, you want to be engaging in that drama, knock yourself out. Like, and, and I think that, so, so protection is also even about letting people live their lives, experience their drama, do their thing, crash and burn and not immediately take on the responsibility for things that are not our responsibility yeah that is so easier said than done sometimes so easier said than done <laughs> absolutely absolutely well and the thing is and this is you know i mean the word codependent and empath kind of get you know thrown together at times and i really don't love I mean, I don't really love the word codependent because I feel like it, it just is such a it's 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 been so demonized and sort of pathologized yeah, and so negative. But the thing is, in my experience, there is a very good reason why empaths rush to rescue people, please, and go in and try to help people. We feel better when other people feel better. And if we are not dealing with our own pain, if we're not comfortable sitting with our own discomfort, then the thing is that we are going to be incredibly uncomfortable around other uncomfortable people. We're on, we don't like distress. And so if we, so, so that's so sort of a two part piece to this. Part of it is learning how to sit with our own discomfort and our own distress and our own misery and our own loneliness and letting it be okay that we're feeling the way we're feeling. It makes it a lot easier to let it be okay when somebody else is feeling that way. But if we don't know how to sit with that discomfort, it's extremely natural that we're gonna wanna go in and fix the situation <laughs> because it feels better when we fix the situation.
Except that, as I'm sure you guys have your own stories, the problem with that is anytime we try to fix the situation, generally we're kicking the can down the road and things often will go horribly awry <laughs> after, after like maybe there's that temporary solution, but then it's kind of like that kind of fix coming from the outside never lasts when somebody is really, the universe is, is bringing a lesson to somebody to change their own behavior. Right. And then it never works out. And then you find yourself involved in something that maybe you shouldn't even be involved with. Shouldn't right? even be involved in. Yeah. And, and just like, and suddenly you are triangulated in the situation and you're in the middle of it and you're getting blamed for all of the problems. And that's another reason why I'm a strong believer in when it comes to being an empath to not meddle is that when we meddle, the problem gets gets put on us instead of being put on what really is going on. And somebody can basically avoid looking at the real issue if we are engaging with it and we're trying to fix it and meddle with it and make it better. Because then when it doesn't get better, we're, the, we're to blame, we're responsible. Whereas if we just stay out of it and it's like, you do you boo, like, you know, like go have your thing. That, that's that's your life that's you know so sorry sucks to be you if we can do that then they have to look at their part in the situation when we rush into rescue we we basically enable somebody to not look at their own part wow guy yeah. james is any of this sounding familiar no, no, not to me, no. <laughs> not at all, no. Yeah, I have to say that, Jake, I swear we just had this conversation. Kelly and I just had this conversation. You know, and it's, and you know, I'm an, I'm an empath, and it took me a long time to realize that. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's funny to hear you, you describe me, even though you don't even know me. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, you know, as I talk, because, you know, I mean, my, my whole thing is like, I am all about empaths, all things empaths, empaths 24 seven. And so I talk to a lot of empaths and I just have to say that the more I talk to empaths, the more consistently I'm like, there are certain things that we all have experienced. And it's like, it's, it's, and yet, and yet, most of us were told from the time we were really little that we were weird, that we were strange, that we were different, <laughs> that we were overreacting, that we were misperceiving the world. One of my I came up with this this slogan phrase, catchphrase a little while ago that basically said, "Don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards." And what I have really come to understand is like, we see the full spectrum of color. We see all, we see, or, or more, I, I won't say, because I guess like the human eye, we see 1% of the spectrum of what is the frequencies of light and, and color that is out there. We hear a very limited perspective. So I wouldn't say that we see all of it as empaths, but we see more of it. We have a much more a broader capacity to tune into and perceive things. And, and, and one of the other things that I've noticed about empaths is that we have a capacity to put things together and see how things interconnect in a way that the average muggle or the neurotypical person often cannot. 
And so like, I mean, how many times have you said something that's just like, duh, this is completely obvious to me that, that (laughs) then you say it to that person and they go, oh my, I never thought of it that way. Like, (laughs) that's another thing that like often we see things and we show something to somebody that is so obvious to us. And yet they never, it never even occurred to them because they don't see the full tapestry. They only see the one thing in the tapestry at a given point in time. So, you know, being told that we are weird, that we are different, that we, and we are wrong, seems to be a very consistent message as well as that, because I think, I mean, I think proportionately there's probably, you know, there's like theory is that there's probably somewhere between 10 and maybe 20% of the population would be identified as what Elaine Aaron calls or coined the term for highly sensitive person, the HSPs. I would say that empaths are probably even like maybe 10% of that population. Like I'm sort of imagining like we're between maybe one and one and maybe two, 3% of the entire global population would be identified as empaths. And so it really does mean that if like we're one in a hundred, that a lot of times we really are the only one within our local community, you know, especially our family systems, where usually we're not in networks of over a hundred, you know, maybe in school, there's going to be a few empaths with us and we'll find sort of the other sensitive kids but within the family systems a lot of times we are like the unique one although I also do find that it tends to go in family lines so often empath will be passed from mother to child and you know and then so and so on and so on and so on and James we could go into an entirely different tangent like it would be an entirely other podcast episode okay about about, (laughs) you know about male empaths and the the very unique challenges that you guys are up against because socially you're socialized not even to be like feel feelings at least as females we're allowed to be nurturing we're allowed to be emotionally available we're encouraged to be sensitive and to develop empathy whereas you know i mean sort of big boys don't cry and suck it up buttercup is kind of the message males get so much so i mean that's a whole other conversation well i'm up for it it is it is dealing with this for a long time oh yeah yeah and Jennifer, we would love to have you come back. We are out of time, but definitely. I know, it's amazing. I mean, this it went, went so by fast. so fast because I'm listening to you talk and the things that you say resonate. And I'm sure they'll resonate with a lot of people because they'll be like, yeah, 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 right. So, I mean, definitely going to definitely have you come back. And oh, I would love to. I just, I, from the moment that you and I, we all jumped on Zoom for that initial meet and greet, I was like, you guys are my peeps. Like, <laughs> I, I, I am so, I'm just, it was, it has been such a delicious conversation today. I'm so grateful that we've had a chance. And, you know, my vision is I don't want to necessarily see an empath army because, I mean, we don't really do well with violence. But I can imagine, like, I'm just imagining, like, what I am here to do is be part of the recruiters for the empath nation that, you know, we, I sincerely believe that in the same way that we can pick up all the negativity, the toxicity, the pain from the world around us, we also have the capacity to calm our own nervous system down to, you know, to, to shift 
the energy to be shift the energy within ourselves and to ultimately become beacons and broadcasters for calm for love for healing for peace in the world and that we really can be part of the solution that turns this crazy ship around and really helps us to get through this birthing process as a species and come out on the other side with something beautiful and amazing as opposed to sort of staying stuck in the per- perilousness of the world that we are in right now. So you guys, thank you so much for having me. This oh, has just oh, been delicious. You, coming, yeah. you are oh, welcome. Boy. Definitely going to have you come back. Awesome. Thanks, Jennifer. Oh, you're so Bye. welcome. You know, she was, she was good, Cal. Yeah. You know, I, I like it when our guests, when you start talking to them and before you know it, I mean, it, things are flowing and then before you know it, it's over. Yeah. You know? And I will make sure that if you want to look at um, all of her websites, her link tree, her book, her podcast, tapping, um, you know, interested in anything that she said in the podcast description is the link to all of her things, including all of her social media as well. Um, I enjoyed speaking with her. I mean, and we just scratched the surface. Definitely somebody we definitely oh. want to have come back. Serious. I'm, I'm excited to have her help me understand being an empathic or an empath, excuse me. You know, because for years I worked with the population where their emotions were just running high all day. You know, and I would just be like agitated, fatigued, and then I'd come home and I, and I never really understood why. You now know, you and do. Then when, and then when we started doing the podcast, and then who was it, Joe? Joe said, "Well, James, you're you're an empath," and I was like, "Well, I guess I am." Yeah, somebody now, told me that too. But I really like Jen's. Um, come on, what's the word? Not description. Not description. Synopsis. Definition. Thank you. Definition. Definition of what an empath is. Yeah. It was a well thought out. It was just a. I've just never heard it put that way. She just just nailed it. You know, if we ever get the chance to put this one on video, it'll be good because you can see her. You can see her thinking out her answers. They're well thought out. Yes. She's just off the top of her head. You know, she's like, you can see she's formulating the answer to your question in a very succinct, clear way so you can understand it. Yes, I truly enjoyed having her. We will definitely have her come back. So, yeah. Shall we get to random bullshit? You know what? I just just wanted to mention something. When we first started this podcast, do you remember the year that we started this podcast? Uh, What's that look for? Because I thought you were going to say something else, but keep going. So when we first started the podcast, and if you ever go back and you listen to our old episodes to now episodes, and I have not gone back and listened to our first season. Right, I I probably should, but I haven't. But did you notice how we just don't do like the transitions? 
and we don't do the commercials and we don't no. do the transitions anymore. No. Remember how I used to do the transitions? Yeah, you'd play a little music. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I noticed that. I, I thought just, you were going to say we don't do cryptid creatures. And that's why I was like, oh, my God, if you say that, I'm going to flip out. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, you know, maybe for season eight, we, I don't know. I was just thinking about, I used to like doing that, but then it became a lot with the editing because editing a podcast ain't easy. I, I yeah, don't know if I, anybody ever told you that, but it ain't easy. Yeah, and I and I wasn't pulling my weight, people, because I didn't know how to do it. Kelly gave me the tutorial, and now I'm doing much better. You know, but it's something to think about because I, I was just wondering, I'm like, did anybody, when you listen to the old episodes, did you like the way it sounded versus how we sound today? And okay. remember back in those days, we did not have guests. For the one episode. Oh, well, I thought for like the one season. Did we, well, I'll have to go back and see. But, um, no. Oh, so I have gone back and listened to some of the earlier episodes. And yes, I did notice that we don't do the transition music. And I was actually going to ask you if we stopped doing it because we didn't have the program anymore. No, we still have it. It's there. And then, uh, so I think we're doing better, um, you know, with interviewing and talking, answering questions and that. I think we're better than when we started. But I like the production back then better. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So another thing that I realized too is back in the day, the podcast was an hour and we busted it down to, uh, we're about 30 to 40, maybe 45 minutes, but I'm talking with the guests. We were almost like a full hour and that be, even if we were like a full hour and that just became too much, right? That's a lot to edit. An hour is a lot to edit when you figure it's going to take you more than an hour to edit an hour. But, you know, I don't think it would anymore for us because we're getting better interviewing and we're getting better at not having to edit so much. That is true. So it probably would be easier now than it was when we first began. And the funny thing is, is that I, because, you know, we are on Facebook and we're a part of these other podcast groups, when I read the, when I go into the groups, I see people who are wanting to start their podcast who really put a lot of production behind their show. And if you listen to some of these podcasts out there, some of them have fabulous production, right? You're talking full, you know, studio production, sound effects, the whole nine yards. It's great. I don't know if we'll ever be there, James, but we can definitely I, liven it up. Uh, what? Uh oh. What? Uh -oh. We will be there, my friend. We're just ah, not there yet. We're not there yet. I'm sorry. We'll get there. Okay. Well, but we can start to put in some production. Maybe not this episode, but the next one. All right. So kind of back to our roots? Yeah, maybe. You know, that was just my kind of... That's not what I was going to do for random bullshit, but it just something... Because I remember when we used to do random bullshit, there was always transition music. Yeah before we went into random bullshit. And when I said that, I heard the transition music in my head and thought, huh, I wonder how come we don't do that? And then I thought, oh yeah, I remember. Cause that shit was hard. Well, yeah. So, but I have, I have a random bullshit question for you. If you want. Uh, fire away. Okay. 
Is there a supernatural event or creature that just freaks you the fuck out? I don't like zombies. Oh, man. Oh, I hate when you do that. I was just going to say that. <laughs> I fucking hate zombies too, man. I don't like zombies. I don't like zombie movies. I don't like zombie TV shows. The only zombie movie... Now, I know, I've seen like Day of the Dead, and I think the last Day of the Dead type movie I saw is when they were in the mall. Yeah. Right? Ving Rhames was in it. They got to the boat. They got to the island. Zombies on the island. Back on the boat. That's how like the movie ended. Movie, zombie movies never end well. Ever, 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 ever. Well, did you see Shaun of, Shaun of the Dead? That, I was going to say, that is the only zombie movie that I saw that kind of had somewhat of a, you know, and it was kind of a, it was kind of a comedy. And I know there have right. been other comedy zombie movies. Yeah. But now for me, I'm good. I am not a zombie person. Zombies, James. Me either. I zombies never... for a hundred, please. Yep. What scares the fuck out of you? Zombies. Can you put that in the form of a question? What are zombies? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> See? I watch Alec Trebek. <laughs> so that is all we need to talk about on the scary stuff. That is, that, that'll do it for you. No, that, 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 that but that reminds me. Uh, one time I went to Vegas and the person I went with, we did one of those timeshare things. Okay. And uh, part of the reason why we did it is they were give they were giving a shitload of stuff, you know, dinner, show, all this stuff, okay? So we go to dinner and then we go to the show. I didn't notice what the show was. It was zombie burlesque. <laughs> How okay. was it? So we go in. It was kind of it was kind of funny because it was a the the guy zombie his penis fell off and he was trying to find his penis and all the other zombies were trying to help him and stuff. But the I mean the the makeup was kind of freaky, you know. And so it's funny because they're on stage and then they start coming down down into the audience, you know. And they were gonna take a couple of people up on the stage and shit and they're walking around and I'm like. Please don't come near me. Please don't. And she fucking looked at me. She started walking right towards me. And I'm like, oh, I fucking don't. Oh, God, no. And she, like, walked to the dude right behind me. Mm. Took him up on stage. And I'm like, dude, there would have been so many fucking. I would have been freaking out because there's a zombie. I would have been freaking out because they're taking me up on stage. It would have been bad. Well, it, but it didn't happen. See? No, it didn't happen. It did not happen. So, my friend, next week we have yet another guest. And uh, I don't know who that guest is off the top of my head, so I can't tell you any information. And that's the thing about this podcast, because we keep it 100. I don't know who the guest is for next week. You're just going to have to listen. That's called a teaser. <laughs> is that what that's called? That's called a teaser. <laughs> well, there you go. A teaser. Um, anyway, do your thing. Until next time, people your minds open. <laughs>